Jesus, amen. Praise God for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that wonderful presentation. Uh, Brother Father, God bless you. And thank you, everyone. Uh, it's a joy to be in God's presence. Is that true? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Before we go, I have a few announcements that I'm going to make. Uh, this Friday, we're going to have our fresh outpouring service. Fresh outpouring service is going to be... Amen. Thank you for clapping. All right. It's an, in, it's an intense time of worship and prayer and uh, intercession for revival, for the move of God in our lives, in our church, in our society, in our community. Uh, we do this every month. Uh, so I want to encourage you to be here in person on Friday from 8 p.m. It's also a time we take our Holy Communion. Right, so please, uh, I want to encourage you to be here and God bless you in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you to please, please be part of Run for Roselle. You know, let's let's support that. Uh, Run for Roselle is support our local missions, right? Uh, Hope Back supports our global mission, right? We must, you know, both be local and global at the same time. And we thank God that we are able to do that and strike that balance as a church. Uh, please, I want you to be, you know, to support uh, Run for Roselle, Hope Bag. Uh, we are doing something great for God. And the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. I'd like us to pray before we go, I mean, go into the Word. Uh, as I walk in this morning, Randy asked me to pray for his country. He said, pray for Puerto Rico. And who am I not to obey Randy, right? And you know what? So I want us to pray. We're going to pray for Puerto Rico, Florida. Those two places are being hit badly. And we're going to pray for Nigeria. Uh, Independence Day of Nigeria was uh, yesterday. Election is coming. Everybody's afraid. Uh, one of our responses is to pray. Can we rise up and pray? Let's lift up our hands and pray for Florida right now. Uh, that can't, that uh, a state is going through a lot with the hurricane uh, that has just passed by. Uh, pray for Florida. Pray for Puerto Rico. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we, are, we pray. We pray, the Lord, there will be peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, you will preserve life. Some people might still be in danger right now. We are not sure. But, Father, we pray that you will just protect life. We pray for the first responders. We pray, Lord, you will strengthen them. You will be with them. You will encourage them. You will give them strength and grace in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we ask, Lord, you will stretch your hands of, of love, of protection, of peace in the name of Jesus over those regions. Thank you, Father. And Lord, we lift up the nation of Nigeria unto your hand. We thank you for your faithfulness over Nigeria over these many years, especially since independence. Thank you for protecting the nation from wars, you know, from destruction. You know, despite the challenges, it's been true. Thank you because Nigeria is still one nation. And Lord, we pray, we ask that light will shine. It's a country that has been through a lot, you know, you know, almost wallowing in darkness. We ask that your light will shine in the name of Jesus. We ask, Lord, 
concerning the upcoming election, Lord, you will just sweep across that nation. You will step in and bring the person that is after your heart. You will give Nigeria a break from corrupt, inept leadership. Lord, we ask, Lord, you will do something new, do something spectacular, do something exceptional in this next coming election. Shock the world. Cause Nigeria to fulfill our destiny. It's meant to be a great country, meant to do great things, a lot of potential. Father, you will just, we call Nigeria to arise and fulfill our destiny. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you for praying. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, I pray you will speak through me today. I pray that my tongue will be that, like that of a ready writer. I pray you will give me an inspired heart, an inspired tongue. You will cause me to speak your word as you will have spoken it. And you will cause our heart to be open and receptive so that your church will be built up. Your name will be glorified. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. We've been talking about the house that God is building. The house that God is building. We'll continue that today and we'll start from 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, please read. I'm raising against time here, amen? Uh, so I want to make sure we, uh, you know, try to quickly go. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. I want everybody to join me together. If presentation can please help me, please help me, all right? Let everyone read it together. One, two, go. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Part of what we've been learning is the togetherness of, you know, God's people. How God never intended us to go through this journey alone. It was never God's intention that we, uh, you know, just worshiping by ourselves, you know, just say this is a personal journey and go through it that way. Nobody succeed in their Christian walk, walking alone. There's a popular saying, uh, if you go alone, you might go fast, but if you go with some people, you're likely going to go far, all right? Yeah, it's possible to start Christian, your Christian journey by yourself, but for you to really last, you need to do it in fellowship. You need to do it in the company of other people, all right? Somebody said fellowship is when there are two, you know, more than one fellows in a ship, all right? All right, so, you know, fellowship is very critical and it's an essential part of our walk with Christ. We must understand what it is. Uh, fellowshipping with one another is essential. Last week, we tried to define what it really is. That is not just, you know, social, having social gathering. You know, we tend to just use the word fellowship a little bit loosely when we, 
you know, having like a party or we're, you know, eating together. We say we're having fellowship or, you know, let's go to the fellowship hall. God's intent for fellowship is much, much deeper than that. It is really sharing a common life with other believers. It is and a life that we share together with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is, it is a shared life. Now, 1 Peter 2, 5 tells us, we all like, we are like living stones. That is, the church that God is building involves every one of us. Each one of us, each of us is like a stone. It's a living stone, and we are being built into a spiritual house. I want you to say being built. So God is building us, you know, into a spiritual house. So it's a corporate work. It's very important. And it's building us to be a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. It's a priesthood which means a body of priests. And, and we are able to offer spiritual sacrifices, not just sacrifice, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's a lot harder to do. That's a lot harder to do. You know, you know because he's, you know, it's interesting that he says here that we are, we are living stones. We are not dead stones. That means, you know, stones that, you know, dead stones are very easy to work with, right? Living stone can be a little difficult to work with. But he's saying we are being built. But that means my destiny depends on other people. It's very important to know that. My spiritual journey, you know, depends on, you know, other people. So I must intentionally do life. I must intentionally fellowship, you know, with others. And last week, we looked at what are the elements of fellowship. Uh, we, 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 we spend a little bit of time in Acts chapter 2 to look at the early church that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking bread, praying together. You know, everybody was filled with all great things happened among them. They met each other's needs, and it was organic. They responded because they learned to love each other. So we came up with three elements. You know, it's more, but at least we boil it to three things. Is you know, a relationship that practices loving one another. Jesus said, this is how all men will know that you are my disciples, when you love one another. John eventually said, love not in words, but in truth and in deed. Each of us, all of us must belong to a fellowship of people who love each other, who practice love. We must belong to a fellowship of people who learn together. You see, learning together is an essential part of fellowship. A group of people that we examine the scripture together. We learn the wisdom of God together. And number three, we live out the gospel together. Hallelujah. It is possible to be part of a church and not be part of the fellowship. It's very important. Church, and I said this, church is not an event we'll attend. It is a family 
we belong to. You know, we say, oh, I'm going to church. You know, you are, it's, it's not an event we'll attend. Uh, church is not an event. Yes, it's great to come here on a Sunday morning, but this is just the living room or the, 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 the family room of the church. You know, church is in between. Church, the church is the life we'll share together. It is the life we share together in Christ that makes us church. We are not a church just because we meet together, you know, once a week or twice a week. That's an essential part of what glue us together, but it must be much more than that. Praise the name of Jesus. So as a church, we're going to be really rolling out, I mean, this. We're going to, you know, in the next weeks, maybe next month or so, we're going to spend time to really explain how do we want to take this to the next level. Because as a church grows larger, one of the things that begin to miss, uh, that begin to be absent is true fellowship. True fellowship becomes difficult. People get lost. You know, people say, I belong to that church, but what they mean is they actually go there every Sunday. They are not participating in the life of a church. They are not participating They are not really living life with other people, loving them, learning together, and living out the gospel. So we must change this model, and by God's grace, in the next several weeks, hopefully by next month or before the by the end of the month or next month, we're going to roll out our plan for this. But I'm obviously teaching you so that you understand what is driving this. There is a theology that is behind what we do. So we're going to roll out our church in the community project. You know, we're going to roll out our church in the community project, which will consist of 8 to 12 adult units, all right? 8 to 12 adults coming together as a community. We'll meet regularly, you know, to pursue spiritual growth, which is learning together, to pursue healthy relationship, which is loving each other, and to be witnesses, you know, for Christ, which is living out the gospel. You know, we're going to roll this and we're going to explain it a lot more. So we want everyone to become part of a community in Agape House of Worship. Not just show up on Sunday, all right? We show up to celebrate who we are, but who we are, we must live out in smaller units, 8 to 12 adults coming together to learn, you know, to really, really examine the scripture on a regular basis, you know, and to learn the wisdom, not just knowledge, you know. This is wisdom-based, not just learning a few verses, but to really examine how do we apply this in our life, to practice true love, which is loving each other, meeting each other's needs, praying for each other, making sure we support one another. This is very, very important, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very, very important. So we're going to roll this out, and I'm hoping, I'm praying that you all will be open to this. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, the community can be, you know, there are many communities, and there's a way we define community. We can define community in different ways. And the way we have chosen to do this is it could be a geographical community, right? You could join uh, our church in the neighborhood, we call it. I mean, church in the community, rather. You know, 
that is closer to you, or your community can be an age-based community, so there's going to be, you know, some for, like, young adults. You know, you want to be a community of young adults who learn to, you know, learn together, right? That is, they learn the word together, love each other, and live out the gospel together. Praise the name of Jesus. It could be, it could be uh, life experience based. It could be people going through raising young children together. Like we already have something like that. But that could be a community. It could be, you know, it could be broken down in different ways. But we're going to present this to you so that you understand it better. But the goal is to truly, truly experience what God has. In this book, yeah, I'm carrying my iPad. I know it's not really the, but it's, you know, before we carry the Bible, I say, in this book, but it's still, a, the book is inside here somehow, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. How, how, how times have changed, right? But to truly experience what is in this book, we must really go back, you know, to the intent of the book. Over the last few years of studying, you know, I've discovered that the model of church that we were handed over with does not truly reflect the model present in the, present, that is presented in the scripture. It's too much event-based. It's too much, you know, gathering. But, you know, there has to be more than that. The early church, they met together, they studied together. That's why they were really able to love each other. And I believe that's why they experienced God in much greater dimension than we are. But we are returning back to that in Jesus' name. Amen. This last weekend, actually on, uh, on Friday, I was in uh, uh, Dallas, Texas, to uh, celebrate the life of our sister that passed away that I announced last week. Uh, one of our sisters that was here, she actually had moved out of here nine years ago, moved to Dallas. Uh, we went there to celebrate our life, short life, but very, very wonderful life. Uh, we met a number of our family, Agape people, and I actually have a picture if uh, you can show it, uh, presentation. All right? Are you in the spirit with me? That's how we know. All right? Okay. All right. All right. This did not even capture everybody that was there that is part of Agape family. That came. It was an unfortunate incident. But we, people came from California, from Houston to Dallas, from Atlanta, from Maryland, from New Jersey, uh, to just celebrate the life and to support the family. A lot of these people have left this church five years, some ten years, you know. But the testimony is so powerful, you know, from the family. The testimony is powerful even from every one of them saying, you know, it, Agape never left us. You know, what we learned when we were here was still there, Right? That, I mean, we, it's, it's, was really an amazing experience even for me as a person, knowing that some of the seed sown for many years still lives and is alive in the heart of people. You know, a lot of 
these people were here when we were much, much smaller and we were able to really have this. Now, we don't want to lose that, that essence, that essence of a people who live life together, learn together, all right? And they're able to become witnesses, you know, together for Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you very much. Uh, for displaying that picture. Our presentation, they are in the spirit. Amen. In sync. So I'm going to wrap up uh, by going through what I call the 10 one another of fellowship. I use the word one another because there's so many, if you look at the scripture, especially the New Testament, there are so many words that contain or phrases that contain the word one another that brings out the essence of how God wants us to live our life, the Christian life. It's never meant to be an alone walk. People who walk alone, you know, who say, you know, it is just between me and God, they don't last. People will find other people who share the same life and they choose to really learn, be vulnerable with them, pray together, and practice this life. They go much further. They experience, and God loves when he sees that because he created that. God created fellowship. He created that. He created this kind of life so that we can Share it together. Hallelujah. So we're going to look at practical instructions in the epistles. That means they are written to the New Testament church that really support what we've been talking about. These were written to churches in the Bible days, you know, on the need to really live this life together. All right, most of these statements that I'm going to, we're going to call, uh, talk about they end or contain the phrase one another or something similar. So we're going to go through them. There are 10. There are much more, but I'm going to just go through 10 because of time. Hallelujah. Number one is the word accept one another. We see this in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Romans chapter 15, verse 7 says, accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So, he said, you know, he said, you must accept one another. You must, you know, make sure you understand there's something, you know, about accepting each other. Uh, you know, into fellowship. You must accept because you're going to be different. There's going to be different. Now, this church or the churches in the, uh, in the early church, they dealt with a lot of challenges. There, were, there was a lot of classism. There were people in upper class, uh, lower class. You know, there were a lot of challenges of Jews and Greeks. You know, there were all kinds of things they were dealing with, but the apostle is telling them here, once you come together, the basis of coming together must be accepting one another into fellowship. Number two, be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another. We see all this, this also in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 actually contains 
two instructions. Number one is be devoted to one another in love. And number three is honor one another. So be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. So you see, he's saying there must be a devotion to each other, to each other's welfare, to each other's, you know, you know, each other's life, a concern, a devotion, you know, and, you know, towards each other's well-being, welfare, life. So he's saying, be devoted to one another in love, you know, driven by love that I truly care about, you know, everyone. And that's why smaller units is very important, you know, when the church you know, when you are in a larger environment, it's very difficult to, to devote yourself to 500 people, all right? But you must find a group of people that you really practice this with. These are instructions for, you know, living together in fellowship. Be devoted to one another and honor one another. To honor is to, is, is to, is to lift each other up, to respect each other. You know, is to ascribe worth to each other. You know, it's very important to, 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 to learn that. So honor one another. We see that in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, serve one another. Serve one another. And it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You know, to serve one another is just, you know, is to be there for one another, is to do something for one another, is to find, you know, if someone is in need, we serve them. If someone, you know, uh, you know they are moving, we move with them. Someone is going through, you know, we go through with them. Serving to one another is an essential part of living together in fellowship. I mean, you, you go on and on, you see these instructions, they are all over the scripture. Uh, we cannot just gloss over them. We have to really be intentional about bringing them into our lives. So serve one another. You say, don't, you know, you have freedom. You can choose to not do it. But he's saying, if you have accepted Jesus and you have become part of this family, we must use our freedom that we have, the liberty we have, the freedom we have to serve one another. Number five, forgive one another. I'm glad that one is in there. Amen. All right. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. See, one another. So you already built this system of forgiveness in there to say, See, you're going to offend each other, forgive one another as, you know, he has forgiven you, you know. So he said, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, all right? So there's going to be opportunity to grieve each other. There's going to be opportunity to offend each other, right? But he's saying, forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, very important. These are very simple, but we must learn to practice them. 
if you are truly going to experience God like the early church did. Number seven, or number six. Wow, somebody's taking notes. That's good. Number six, greet one another. Wow. That's simple, right? So Romans 16, 16 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. But, you know, the Jewish have the culture of kissing each other in the cheek and, you know, uh, you know. But it's a show of affection. You actually don't do it to everybody. You do it to someone to really show that you really care about them. So it's a gesture you show to someone that you really feel very personal and you care about. All right? I mean, culturally. So he's saying, I want you to do that to each other. I want you to really take your greeting to the next level. Uh, Greeting each other with the holy kiss also means the greeting is very sincere. Uh, It's not, you know, just going by. It is really stopping by to really greet them and look at them in the eye and say, how are you doing? And sometimes they say, I'm fine. You say, no, that doesn't sound very fine. How are you doing? Now, sometimes it takes asking someone the, that question twice, and they really say, you know, let me tell you how I'm doing. All right? There's a lot that can come from truly greeting each other. I've had so many testimonies here of someone, you know, looking at someone and saying, how are you doing? I'm fine. I said, no. How are you doing? And what happened? The person, you know, burst out crying. And that leads to a a wonderful time of fellowship, a wonderful time of praying for one another, a wonderful time of showing genuine love of Christ, and frankly, a wonderful time for the outbreak of the Holy Spirit. You see, the reason why we don't experience outbreak of the Holy Spirit is because there's a lot of superficialness in fellowship, all right? There's a lot of not going deep enough. You know, not caring enough. You know, one of the, you know, people ask me, how do you know everybody's name? Uh, it's getting difficult now because, you know, <laughs> you know. But, you know, I try to really go a little deeper in my knowledge of people. You know, scientifically, the more you can connect to someone, the more you remember them. So when I meet people, I try to talk to them a little more. You know, conversation come about kids, about what's going on in their life. You know, about this, this. You need to have some connection point. Even when I meet people, maybe, you know, we want to talk about ministry. I want to go to something going on in their life. How is life your job search? You know, you know, how long have you been in your job now? It's been three years. You know, sometimes I get in on this. Oh, no, it's three and a half. I say I'm close enough, right? You know, how is he working? Are you thinking of another job? Or, you know, a little bit of going below, I mean, be, beyond the surface, even in our greetings, is very important. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> that Paul the Apostle writes to the old church and tell them to do something as simple as greeting each other with a holy kiss, that is, Greeting each other more intentionally as a 
critical part of living out our life as believers. It's important. Greet one another. Let's go to the next one. Galatians, we find that in Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burden. Bear one another's burden. Say, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing one another's burden is essential. All right? You know, that means there will be a time when some people have a little much to carry. All right? And during those times, having a few people to help them carry it is essential. You know, bearing one another's body. It's very, very, very important. I can tell you stories upon stories upon people just being there carrying body. And one thing about carrying carrying body, sometimes people who have body hide their body. You know, because sometimes he, you know, he gives us shame. See, nobody carries burdens for all their life. I mean, we all have burdens to carry, but every one of us will have times in our life when we need people to carry those burdens for us. It reminds me of the story of the uh, paralytic guy who needed to see Jesus, but he was paralyzed. All right? Jesus was in a house preaching. And you know, Jesus, because of the crowd, right, is always surrounded by people. So he's in the middle of this, he's inside this building, you know, preaching and teaching and doing whatever he's doing. This guy, you know, is paralyzed, but he had some friends. May God give you some friends. He had some friends, they figured something out. He said, they said, you know what, let's do this. We'll apologize later. They just climbed the roof, tore the roof of the house, and lowered this guy there. I mean, can you imagine what that meant to the owner of the house? But they loved their friend so much, they said, you know what, we'll do it. We'll just apologize. Some things you do, you just say sorry later. But we have helped our friends. But it actually worked. They lowered their friend down. I mean, Jesus must have said, wow. These people are amazing. And their friend walked away healed. May God give you some friends. I need some friends that can carry me to the roof and lower me down when I need it the most. Praise the name of Jesus. So it's there to, you know, we need to do that. We need to return to that. That is what is it, church, church has become so much superficial. All right? So much ceremonial that it doesn't even mean much to people anymore. You know, it's almost like what difference does it make? We must change that. You know, especially the Western church, which is the church that the model of church we were all handed over, handed with, right? You know, that was handed over to us. It is so pastor centric right, event focus, and everybody just comes to watch one person speak week after week, and they go and they think they have nothing to offer. But that's not church. You know, church is all these things we're talking about. 
you know, in all these things we're talking about, it's not even mentioning the leaders. It's talking about what people do to each other. That's the real church. So we must learn to see church differently. What we do on Sunday is really a family meeting that we do once a week. You know, that's not church. That's not church. So we have to fully understand that. And that's why we have to have these smaller places where these things must happen. Because unless they truly happen, we are not experiencing church. And far be it that we spend all our energy, all this money, all this dust and screen and, you know, and we get to the feet of Jesus. We've not done real church that he wants us to do. We're not going to allow that. Amen. So that's why when we roll it out, we agape church in the community. All right? We're going to call it CTC, right? When we roll it out, you must be part of that. You must say, this is real church. This is real church. That's where we're going to see actions. We're going to see love. We're going to see Jesus Christ really revealing himself. We're going to see the Holy Spirit move. We're going to see life change, life transform. We're going to see people truly exercising their gift, you know, know, in those small. So when we come on Sunday, we are celebrating what has happened between last Sunday and now. Because so much will have happened. So Sunday becomes just a celebration of what is happening every day in the life of the church. That's the model of the early church. And that's the model we must have. Hallelujah. I'm running out of time, but I'm going to keep to time. Don't worry. All right? Number eight, teach and admonish one another. This is very interesting. All right? Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Do you see that even something as teaching is something we should do to one another? All right. Something as admonition. Admonition means scold one another, really. You know, when you admonish people, you really tell them that they need to correct some things, right? So he's saying, do it to one another. So in that smaller unit of trust, of loving, bearing each other's body, what happened? We're able to teach one another, teaching one another. This is essential, you know, to really living the life that God wants us to live. Number nine, be kindly affectionate to one. Actually, no, sorry. Number nine is submit to one another. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. Number nine, Ephesians 5.21. He used that in the context of a biological family, but it's also applicable in a spiritual family. And there are other references. We submit to one another out of reference of Christ. Because there's another scripture that says, prefer one another in reference to Christ, right? Prefer, instead of fighting over seats, I mean, take my seats. You know, you know, those things we must practice. You know, you know Jesus said we must wash, wash each other's feet. He meant that by saying we must serve each other. We must, 
you know, we must not always put, I'm, I'm, beg, I'm better than you, right? So submitting to one another is very important. Submission to each other. Number 10, encourage one another. Encourage one another. First Thessalonians 5, 11. So therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. All right? Just as the fact, just as in fact you are doing. Encouraging one another is very important. It's an essential part. So you see, we can go on and on and read. And I, and I challenge you to, if you want to do your own reading, read through the epistles and be looking for where the Bible says one another. You're going to see that it's all over the place. It's all over the place. It's not a life designed for one person to really tell everyone, I mean, to do all the work. It is to create a community and a family and a true fellowship that God looks at and is pleased with. And whenever God sees unity, he commands his blessing to come there. I pray that we will be that church that will respond, will be that church that will truly submit to God, that will be the church that God is building, the church God is building as a pattern, and those are, those are some of the patterns, as a system that will really step up and do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we bow down our heads as we pray? So, Father, we thank you today. You're such an awesome God. You're an amazing Father. We thank you for opening our eyes to your heart, to your intent for your church. Jesus said, I will build my church. We thank you for showing us the pattern to build. And Lord, as we surrender and submit ourselves, we will experience you in your glorious power. In your glorious grace, we will experience you just like the early church. The Bible says many miracles, you know, wonders and signs were performed by the apostle because there was the right conditions. May we meet those conditions. May we be a church that is truly responding to you. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. We give you all glory and all honor. In Jesus.